Welcome to another edition of Record Roundtable, where we talk about a band, an artist. This week we're talking about The Cure. This is Killer Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I'm Dax. Jared. This is Tyler, and I don't know why you want to be so fast all the time. Yeah, it's, it's so he could speak as little as possible. Mm. <laughs> He's trying to get in the minimum amount of, of time in why which Why did that speaks. intro suck so much? That, that was awful. Not you, but just like, <laughs> there was no music. I was going to say, I'm hurt. No, no. <laughs> what have I done it wrong? Was bad, you didn't so, inter- yeah. I have a very standard intro. You didn't I feel come like in on their real first song. What? They had a song before that. They did have a song. Before killing an Arab, mm-hmm. you can't. It's hard to find. You have to find it on YouTube. Probably it's not there's on Spotify. There's a live version on Spotify. There is a live version on Spotify, but there's not a a oh recorded studio version on Spotify. But it would be from the first album, though. That's what we always do. Whatever. Well, the first, that was released. Yeah, that's true. I think it was it, it was supposed like to be on the first album, but it, it got was cut it later. was one of the original songs for the first album uh, when the label came in and said we don't want this, and then eventually they dissolved their initial contract, hmm. and then they joined up with the new label because we we've stuff. covered a lot of bands that have had debut eps and we haven't done their songs so this right. not when, fair when they came so when they got back i will go ahead i guess we're getting into some of the history of <laughs> yeah that. let's do it when they got signed to the new what was the name of the label they were on the pretty much the entirety of the discography it's fiction fiction yes when they got signed to fiction which was a new faction still distributed distributed by a, the uh label owner's previous record label that he worked for uh, when they got signed to Fiction, they basically re-released Killing an Arab as a single, as a non-album single, uh, as hype for the first album kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And it, it was it, it got decent acclaim in whatever circulation it got, which was not a lot, but whoever heard it said this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then the new, the first album came out in UK originally, then repackaged near the release of the second album and released in the US. Interesting. So, and again this week we're talking about the Cure and how everybody feel about listening to the Cure this week. I don't know what to do other than my format. <laughs> I feel broken. Look what we did. We just went right to it. We just broke it down. I love that. it, Whoa. but I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, I like. I know the singles. I know the big songs, and those I guess maybe are the ones I was looking for the most. And I know that early in the week you had told me um, I'm looking to see if. It was worth listening to more than just the big singles. Hmm. What did that result in? Yeah, what's your answer? <sighs> Make it give us the one word answer first and then elaborate so I don't have to wait for you to tell me at the end whether it's yes or no. I guess the answer is yes. They have influenced a lot of different people in different ways. People that you one thing I learned this week is they influence people that you never would have thought they influenced, but when you think of The Cure, you think of uh, sad-slash-happy pop songs, and that is only a very small amount of their discography. And if you actually dive into The Cure as a band, it is not that. It is like long, uh, new-wavy kind of songs. It's like new-wave psych. Yeah. And uh, that is kind of... They're grandfathers of, of goth rock, basically. So everything you like about goth rock 
It starts with the cure, basically. I think probably. I would agree with that. Yeah, I'll. I guess I'll jump in after you as that I on how I felt about it. It it's difficult. It's mm-hmm. it, let me tell you what we listened to eleven and a half ish hours of Cure, and it was horrible. Be, not because I didn't like it, but because I had no. It's so the Cure is too difficult sometimes to digest in one listen, and I did not have time to listen more than once, mm-hmm. which is really not great because I and it leads me to be very uh, uncertain about a lot of it because I'm familiar with a lot of their singles as well and. I was familiar with them as the goth rock stuff, which is really like their first three-ish albums is where that supposedly is the thing. But well, I, actually, I think it no, extends. it's their second three second, albums. Yeah, that's what After I thought. After three imaginary right. boys. The second, third, and fourth, right? That's what second, I was Second, third, and fourth, okay. yeah. So those those three albums, the second, third, and fourth releases are the ones that are accredited to that, which is before, like, before some of their most popular singles are even done. Yeah. So it's kind of weird that they had... It's, it was built upon early on and people just kept repeating it. Even as songs came out that were more new wave or were more like 80s. I, w- I don't want to say full on synth pop, but in that realm. They, they took on some forms of it. Yeah. And so it's weird to think because oh, I'm familiar with that. And I'm familiar with South Park linking the cure to God like heavily of course which is sure. fu- that's fine there's that's interesting but what's also weird about it is when you think about in, in terms of like the goth rock and the persona of the cure is that when they started to do like the big hair uh smeared makeup type thing really was like, like after top. that was after yeah that it was stuff. so they did all of like they did their kind of i mean not normal but like their their specific the dark period if you will yeah. the dark trilogy uh, 17 seconds faith and pornography right and then they really didn't become more elaborate like you're saying until the top and then really on the head on the door right and but it's weird because a lot of people who when you look at the cure and think about the cure as a goth band you think about robert smith looking like that in a freaking right. in a trench coat with messed up like insane hair and smeared makeup all over his face and during the period where they were quote unquote most goth rock he didn't look like that at all he no. just had a regular short haircut and they just look like they literally look they look like joy division look like any post-punk right. band from the late 70s early 80s yeah. up until like 1984 around there you know yeah. and it's just weird to think about so i don't know I, their music is difficult to digest in some ways and it's because it's long and because it's like new wave uh 80s neo psych type stuff and it's, it's just dense. it's very dense mm-hmm. and they have so there's like some of their albums are not in a bad way long but just so long to where it's hard to remember back to the beginning of it sure. when you only have one listen yeah. because they don't they shift they don't shift album to album as much as they shift like period to period mm-hmm. in their discography right which means it's hard to remember what might have been on one and what might have been on the other if you just like listen to it straight through, so and it I, really started at "Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me." Yes, that their right. albums became. Oh like, yeah, it became more uh, drawn out, cinematic almost, and like really, um, it's weird because the new wave they are like the head on the door is like the new wave for me. That's their new wave. So. Yeah. Then they get into like the new wave synth psych stuff because they start songs elongate. Um, they start to like get into a little jammy thing, and what I really think. I'll tell you what is really helpful, though, is that in the midst of all of those things, of like all that stuff on an album, when they finally do come into uh, just like a regular 
or not really a regular, but they come into a Cure pop song, it really is finally a place where you're just like, I can relax my brain for a minute. Like yeah. when Just Like Heaven comes on, you're like, okay, we can, we know this song. Let's just relax for a second in the middle of this album. <laughs> That's totally fair, honestly. It's like, this is familiar. I need to breathe. Right. So it makes those, it makes the songs that are more popular even more enjoyable when you have to listen to it in the context of an album where you're trying to get through 11 and a half hours this week. So that's what my week was like. There we go. I'll speak really quickly on, because you said, like, you mentioned there's like 11 and a half hours of The Cure and that it's hard to digest it without listening to it. I, I've made it a, a point at this point to listen to each album two to three times, Yeah, I which is exhausting. To, I just don't have time. Yeah, I shouldn't have time. Yeah. I should not have time. That's a lot of work. Um, But I only did that up to disintegration. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's about, I think that's. Yeah. I think that. Basically, like, past 2000... 79 to 89. Past 2000, though. Well, because 2000 is like... The album that came out in 2000, what was the title of that? Now I can't remember what it was the called. The one in 2000? Is it Blood Flowers that you're thinking yeah, of? Yeah, that, that is kind of probably important. Because he yeah. Robert Smith calls that the part of a trilogy that harkens back to a certain period. So, And it was... It took like five years for it to come out i think they worked on it for like five years because in the early 90s to mid 90s they were still making music we all know that are that's like even in 92 you know yeah with wish with wish yeah i had i had wish on cd right a lot of people still knew it so it's hard to draw a line and say this is when it really is not as important that's fair probably after wish is a good place to go but there are a couple releases after that that are still worthwhile for talking a little bit i suppose sure so i don't know it's really difficult to have a cutoff point but i the, the interesting thing on blood flowers was the song watching me fall which is the second track is 11 minutes and 13 seconds long and it's like it is that long like he is doing things throughout the entire song and it's very strange to have that long of a song as the second track on an album that's true. Like, like, hey, I know you just got here, but you're yeah. going to be here for yeah. a minute. Yeah. Well, at least he warned you ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Dax, yeah, let's get to it. We've got 10 minutes in it. Are you Dax finished with, your, with what you were saying on it? On yeah, your listening thing? Enough. I mean, we'll get into we'll all get of there. it. But. So uh, I took uh, a, a weird approach. I just, I, one, one sitting, basically, or a couple sittings. I just went right through it. I did make a list and went back on certain songs, but boy, oh boy, was that... That was something. Yeah. I just, my brain didn't work by the end of I it. I bet. Which, I bet it didn't work about a third of the way through. Well, by the time I got to the, the last few albums, uh, which I didn't care for them anyway, but I was I was over it by then. How do you do 80s n- new wave in 2004? Yeah. Uh, it's it didn't not gonna, work. Yeah. Well, it was more like alternative rock at that point. It honestly. really was, but it's like, why? Nobody wants to hear The Cure do alternative rock. No. Nobody, nobody wants to do hear you do that. Yeah, but you say that, but like during the '80s, people probably would have thought like like their fan base, which was a bunch of people listening to like dark goth music, probably wouldn't have been like, you know, it'd be really cool. Friday, I'm in love. Yeah, but you know what? Though when you think about it, though, that's like the most goth pop song that there is. It still like retains a lot of goth feels to it. It does. It's but not what like what I'm a, saying is is that like as a huge, I suppose so. as somebody who's being introduced to this like dark and brooding and like really dissonant sound and then all of a sudden they're like you guys want you guys want some pop music it's like i, guess. I mean it's still it retains for sure yeah like i think that the best example of that is disintegration which blends in you know some elements of pop 
a lot of pop yeah. like songwriting sensibilities a lot of um really like like if you take okay so i'll go ahead and say my favorite song from the cure is a uh, love song and love song is the type of song that incorporates a lot of very simplistic like lyrical content something very easy to digest but the the mood of the song retains all of those gothic dark kind of undertones and so it retains everything that you enjoy about the cure but it also makes it more digestible for a larger wider audience which is why their music became more popular over time was because they adapted the the post-punk goth type style that they were doing they turned it into something that could be kind of like this pops new wave synth heavy type of thing mm-hmm. that people more generally wanted to listen to so i'll, I'll go ahead and play love song are just very memorable because there there's really not a lot of diversity in what he's saying throughout the song the chorus is very structured even the verses kind of follow the same pattern and so it's really hard to forget a song like that i prefer the 311 version personally oh, oh you do, do. <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> That was in uh, Fifty First Dates, I believe. The three eleven version was, or the original version. The three eleven version. Oh, I'm pretty boy. sure it was on the soundtrack to that. Looks like they're trying fun. to trick everyone. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I was talking about earlier was the influence, and on Adele's album, uh, she covered that song, um, "Love Song." Really? Is, it's what album is that? Tur- scroll down to the bottom of the playlist. I can't remember what it's called. It's one of her yes, ma'am. ages. Twenty one. Twenty one. Yes. Uh, Can we play a little bit of it? Yeah, get into it a little bit of it. Yeah, definitely different. Um, I like that song. Yeah, it's a good song. I like love song. It's an interesting. They write. You put in here. They write good um, songs. Pop songs, like it for a a new wave, uh, uh, post punk band. They write a lot of good pop songs. Well, interesting. Well, it's interesting because so like um, the head on the door was the first album. If I remember correctly, I believe that Head on the Door was the first album that Robert Smith wrote and composed all of the music. Hmm. And so that was really the point. Well, I I guess the top. The top is really the point where they take a shift. Mm -hmm. So they have their three dark albums that I've already mentioned. And then the top does a lot 
really. It's kind of hard to follow exactly what all is going on in the top. They do like they have like a flamenco, like Spanish guitar throughout like in one of the songs. And then they have like the synth coming in and the pop coming in and a little bit of the post punk coming in. It's like it's just all over the place. And it's clear that they want to experiment. I like the song, well, uh, The Caterpillar from that album. That's a pretty good song. Yeah. Dax said he likes that song. That's my yeah. favorite song. Oh, there you go. Oh, well. player. Mm -hmm. David Byrne do guest vocals. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was maybe Serge Tankian doing his uh, Peter Piker Pickle Pickle Pickle. Oh, Pickers. there you go. <laughs> I, I prefer Banana Fish Bones off that album personally. Shake too. the Dog was a pretty good uh, opening track too. You know, it's funny about that. Uh, that album was pretty much universally uh, mediocre reviews. Yes, very. And in a, a normal week, we wouldn't have even listened to it. Uh, You're correct. Like that, if you look at. Most of them are two or three out of five star ratings. Uh, Pitchfork gave it a 6.9 out of 10, which is a mediocre rating for them, I think. Yes. But if we wouldn't have listened to every single album of The Cure, then we never would have listened to that song because that al album probably well, wouldn't have been on maybe. our list. I don't know because you gotta. it depends on, you know, we've talked about this before, how different ways people look at different albums because it was a top 10 album in the UK upon release. Mm -hmm. Right. So in the UK where they were more popular anyway, where this kind of stuff was bigger, like the way they were doing things was was bigger over there. Yeah, because you had more. Yeah, they don't artists. have as many hits in the U in the US. If you well, post punk is really kind of a UK thing initially, for sure. So I mean, really, in a lot of ways, it still is. We we yeah. really, I mean, America really hasn't adapted a post punk band that has taken the same form as a Cure, Joy Division, so on and so forth. No, Most of really. the post-punk that exists today is something out of, like, um, you know, uh, Dublin with... Yeah. Um, why am I losing their name right now? Fontaine's DC? Thank you. Fontaine's, yes, Fontaine's DC, DC. And then you've got Idols, and then you've got yeah, Shane. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Bravery. The Bravery. <laughs> what, what? I'm not going to get into that. My but. point is that even modern post-punk still isn't really coming out of America. Yeah, no. It, no. And, but it, it, what's, that's what's interesting about it, too, though, is because post-punk is not. But New Wave is. New yeah. Wave is the U.S. because yeah. New Wave is a punk movement, a New York punk movement thing. Right. So that's what makes it like interesting is that when they sh is a shift towards that kind of thing and then yeah. integration of those worlds. But uh, so just because it doesn't have the great reviews over in you know in a world where we weren't experiencing that type of thing, mm -hmm. you know that was 1984. Mm -hmm. uh, by that point, Talking Heads were on a downward slope and really. Uh, as the and they were the I mean you can't deny they were the prominent new wave band in the U.S. probably you know and there are other groups doing okay things but new wave was sliding into 80s pop dominating almost everything 
So it's unlikely. Mid '80s is really when it took over, right? Yeah, and and so in '84, it's unlikely that we would recognize something like that, which is a shift of a post-punk band who's been popular in the UK with less, mar, uh, far less success in the US. Um, shifting to new wave is not something we would probably be focusing on until uh, you begin writing more pop songs. Which I mean, honestly, like if you think about it, if it was the case that the Cure had not started writing pop songs in the mid eighties. Yeah. We wouldn't be covering them. Well, I don't really care. Cause one of my, my favorite song is a pop song. and I don't care. That's so. great. Yeah. Are we good? Are we doing all three? Really? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead good. and do it. It's my favorite. Yeah. Because I was getting to that because then when you, once you get into uh, the head on the door, you get a little closer to it. And in between days is my favorite song. Oh, I, I did not know this song. Like I knew the song, but I didn't know what it was called. I just thought it was, uh, every, 80s or every like 90s romantic movie that it was obligated to put this song you know where i heard it where's that on the tv show the in-betweeners oh which makes sense yep it's used in the in-betweeners they use a lot of cure music actually Mm. so that's it i'll do it it's a good song How much of the melody are you going to get to before you even start singing? Right. <laughs> like the whole, you've outlaid the whole song out before you even start singing, which I think is fun. Well, I can't. It's it's crazy because that's the opener to the head on the door. Yeah. And like being a fan of The Cure like in like the mid 80s, I feel like they would have been like flabbergasted. They were yep. like, what is going on here? How is this the same band? What's weird about it is, and okay, so uh, I'm going to get into two different discussions, I guess, but it, it, they both are coinciding. I read where Robert Smith talked about a lot of people. If a people, if someone were to say what's the Cure sound, it would be a prominent bass and drum, a really prominent bass line, prominent drum parts, and then like him singing over acoustic guitar, like layers of guitar, but mostly him playing acoustic guitar, which is exactly what this song is, mm-hmm. with some yeah. synth and some other layers thrown in or whatever. So, but when you really get down to it, like that, the over the driving um, and forward bass line and drum part is not is also a, a post punk thing. So it, oh, that's like sure. pulling straight from their post punk past. So it's not like it's it's like a pop song. It's like post pop punk. Oh, Ooh. Um, where uh, have you been? Right. So I I think it really like I know it might seem weird uh, if it's if you're listening to it and you've never heard it before and this is the mid '80s and you're a Cure fan, it would sound weird. But I think if you listen to it a second or third time and digest the song, you realize that it's. It's got a lot of the stuff the Cure had already been doing. It really does. I mean, really, what they're doing is so it registers in the same realm. Yeah, because like Robert Smith is really writing the same songs in so many ways, but he's just doing a new spin on them. Hmm. Uh, that song was actually it's been covered by uh, several uh, people. Ben Folds covered it in 2003 for his album Speed Graphic. Uh, Tiger's Jaw, which we've seen together, me and Tyler, they covered it in 2015. Um, Super Chunk covered it for hey. the AV Undercover series. Paramore the, covered oh, did it. did they really? Yeah. Well, we should play that. Paramore covered it uh, for I, Sirius XM Radio, but the thing that uh, you should play, 
if you can find the super chunk, fine, we will play that. But then I got something else to play because I mentioned earlier the influences that you would not expect. Yep. During Korn's Unplugged oh my gosh. Uh, album, MTV Unplugged, in 2007, I they guess, released it. I guess you didn't say it was good influences. Right? I did not. Uh, Korn performed this song with Robert Smith on their uh, performance. It was the song Make Me Bad and In Between Days Together. Turn my mic off. I'm going home. Okay. I don't, right. want, I don't want any part of this. How to, how to ruin your favorite song 101. Yeah, I don't want, to, don't want any part of it anymore. So uh, go ahead and play the Super Chunk thing, and then we'll play the corn thing. Where Tyler gets his favorite song performed by Super Chunk. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. It's a good world. That makes you know? me happy. Yeah, for those listening that don't know, I love Super Chunk. They're awesome. You should check them out. I, I'm. Su- we may cover them on here, maybe. I feel like I Jared- believe they're on a brief list that Caleb put together. That's not on the list to be voted on yet, but maybe they might be. I think so, if I remember correctly. I feel like Jared would like Super Chunk if he gave it a chance. I like some stuff by them. I like some stuff. It makes me happy. Are you going to play... Is AV Club Chicago-based? Is that? I have. No, I don't know. That's what the flag is, the Chicago flag. Maybe. Right? You can play that corn thing? Yeah. Yesterday I got so scared She would like a child That sucks a lot. In a world where Tyler gets the the <laughs> lift of listening to the yep. cure, and then Crushes Super dreams. Chunk covering it, yeah, yep. building him up to a, a beautiful crescendo, yep. and then Corn just says, Bleh. "Yeah, you want me to play?" You some, know that reminds me something of, even worse. No, you know what I'm thinking of. Uh, speaking of uh, weird influences, I heard Nirvana influence Puddle of Mud, which is what that reminded oh, me. Oh, that's right good. So We've never played that close before. to that. If you that was great. If you want to uh, look it up on YouTube, because uh, even though the original video got taken down, there's yeah. millions of other ones because yeah. it wasn't. It was About too girl. didn't get taken too quickly uh, for the internet to get hold of it. So. No. Uh, if if we're on a train of bad songs, oh boy, which I think we can are. You, can you admit that that was not good? It was. I agree with you. Okay. But it's it's. I know his shoes. He needs to. No, it wasn't me that time. Oh, it was you. I, it's it touched the back. Uh, oh, oh. Games. I didn't know it was that far. Um, 
It's not good. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, it it makes it difficult when it's an acoustic a band that's not used to doing. I'm not gonna defend it, but they are kind of are. They yeah, are a metal. Are kind of they're a metal it. band that has to do an acoustic thing. It is not their realm. It, the song is already an acoustic song, almost. Like the Nirvana's only... Nirvana's acoustic set is Listen, one of I the most popular you. things. Yeah. I agree with you. Corn <laughs> or no Nirvana, you're not no, wrong about not. that. No. So if you'll play. Uh, that song, it's called All of This, that's on the playlist. I was thinking that's what this you were going to ask for. This is worse than what we just heard. Oh, oh, no. By a mile. I know what it was. That was Blink-182 from their self-titled album, Blink-182, from 2003. That was the song, All of This, featuring Robert Smith of The Cure. It is not very good. No. no I mean, that not. album sucks. I'm going to say this. Oh, boy. Uh, Once over a million times. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go further. Blink-182 is not good. Okay. Really. They're not that good. Listen. They're not. Listen. Dax's friend who listened to the show for like a hot minute, yeah. who liked Blink-182, yeah. he's not here. Yeah, he's, he's gone. Here. We no. can talk about Blink-182 <laughs> candidly now. I um, Let me tell you about Blink-182, if you would like me to briefly. When I was in middle school, uh, I really loved to talk to my friends who like Blink-182 and tell them about how much they suck at everything mm, they're doing you would. in their entire lives. <laughs> here, let me ask and you. And I've never been able to get over that my resentment. For I don't want to get too far off topic, but growing up, I had two bands that were in that realm that I thought of as similar in style. Blink-182 and Sum 41. Sure. Who who do you think? Who's better? Who do I who yeah. do I think's better? Yeah. Uh I don't th- honestly I, neither of them are very good. But okay. if I had to choose w- which one that if I you said you can listen to this one or this one I would choose Sum 41. Okay. And that's and trust me it's not me saying that I necessarily like Sum Caleb, 41. what do you think? I know. Difficult. Look, some forty-one is harder. I'd probably pick some. They're Canadian, and he married Avril Lavigne. Whichever version of winner, he married. winner. If only. Well, okay, you say winner, but so did. Let me Chad tell you this. Kroger. He's still I missing. Hate, yeah, he's oh still with boy. I uh, really do not like Travis Barker. Yeah. When I was a freshman, in, even though he was in the Aquabats, I know. And that didn't you hear how disappointed I was when I found <laughs> out that not only was he in the Aquabats, yeah. but he continues to. They let him come sit on drum kit. What? Yep, yep, no, yep. quit it. When I was Guar a freshman, fight him off. Uh, they oh. should. When I was a freshman in college, I had a roommate the second semester. who's was a guy I met first semester on my floor, mm-hmm. and he and his buddies uh, liked Blink One Eighty Two, but they didn't. They didn't take it too seriously, mm-hmm. and they used to say to each other uh, whenever they got into a uh, small discussion about music, 
Uh, well, you know, Travis Barkus is the best runner of all time, so I don't even know what you're saying. Oh, I, and they were saying it ironically. Yeah. Uh, and I applauded him for that, and I enjoyed it, and I said thank you. Because he's kind of a suck. He kind of sucks. And I don't like Tom DeLonge's stupid, I hate it. But I hate he, it. He's a UFO hunter now. That's pretty yeah, cool. I don't care what he does. Angels and Airwaves, not that good either. Oh, my. Better. But not that good. Let's All get right. back to the cure. Let's uh, let's talk really quickly about it since we're well, talking I about. Know, we didn't get his answer real quick, just oh, for yeah, the sake right. of being. Some forty one, Blake one eighty two. Yeah, I think Blake one eighty two is pretty all right. Yeah, you okay. great. All right, um, <laughs> I'm glad you incorporated him. <laughs> <laughs> let's bring him into the conversation. Remember that, he's gone. Remember that thing, where, seen, he's, remember that thing seen, where he's trying to talk the least. Yeah, well, we got to yeah. make sure that doesn't yeah. happen. I guess I've seen uh, some forty one. I believe twice live. Uh, both at well, Blake once at Warped Tour and the other at that thing we saw together. So let me tell you that I've seen out of the two. I've only seen some forty one. Oh, how about so. Since we're talking about other people talk like doing songs yes. cure related, let's yes. do a good one. Okay. Okay. Perhaps we talk about someone who I love. Oh yes. Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. Happy doing birthday. Friday I'm on Happy love. birthday. Is it her today's her birthday? I just Googled her and it's her birthday. Oh, happy, happy, hey, birthday happy, Phoebe. Birthday, happy birthday, Phoebe. Happy birthday, Bridgers. Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe Bridgers, we love you. <laughs> Phoebe yeah. was the best well, friend the- of Helga. Yes, if anybody, Hey Arnold. If he, any, once again, he's worked Hey Arnold into the episode. Very good, Jared. If anybody uh, watched her most recent music video, she makes out with a very old woman, and it made me uncomfortable. I'm going to say that. And how nice. so? Hmm? Was it an artistic makeout? It was an artistic makeout, but it still made me feel uncomfortable. Was it? Turns uh, out it was her grandmother. Or, yeah, even yeah, was worse. It? Step-grandmother. Do y'all remember Not Another Teen Movie? Yes. So you can never forget that scene. Hmm. That scene. Friday I'm in love. Saturday away. Sunday always comes too late. Friday never hesitate. I don't care if Monday's black. Tuesday, Wednesday, heart attack. Oh, Thursday never looking back. It's Friday I'm in care who you are that gives me chills listen it's a good song already i don't she's care a, what people she's say. a beautiful beautiful woman that yeah. was on the uh, spotify singles again that spotify singles man they got some good stuff on there mm-hmm. check it out every week spotify singles.com slash spotify singles also her song kyoto <laughs> uh from her new album this year song of the year almost yeah. maybe what well, it might be not not almost well you know wop came out Ooh, it's a good track <laughs> oh, no not here though not here though we um, got a bonus episode for this kind of shit yeah uh Robert Smith was in a group called The Glove. It was a uh, another group. He also played in uh, Sushi and the Banshees. I was wondering if we would bring this up. Uh, one album and also live with them for a few years, but then he couldn't you know, obviously do both. He was on the album uh, Hyena. Yes. Yep. Um, but he did not sing. He played uh, guitar and, and did things. Yeah. But. Well, he, he started uh, playing for them when their guitar player bailed on tour and they were did you read about that no go ahead so uh when the cure toured one of the the early albums they toured opening for Susie and the banshees Mm -hmm. and in the middle of the tour the guitar player for Susie and the banshees left Mm -hmm. and so robert smith came in and played guitar with Susie and the banshees doing basically a double set every night for the rest of the tour that's exhausting yeah and uh so from there and that is that was a i don't i think that was between the first and second album, somewhere around there, because him playing with them 
changed his outlook on the Cure music. Mm. Uh, not only in the songs that they played, but in the ability to play those the songs of that much uh, power in a way, in the way that he Magnitude. described it. Yeah. And so uh, eventually he joined them full time briefly working on a tour and, and an album. So the the band The Glove, they're a uh, neo-psychedelia, new wave, dark wave band uh, that was That's only active in 1983. And it's Robert Smith and Stephen Severin from Sushi and the Banshee. Hey. So those two probably from his work with them decided, hey, let's do something this. I listened to a little bit of it. I wasn't super into it. But if you like that style of music, uh, they only made one album. And that- uh, they have a song called Punish Me With Kisses, which... You know, yeah, that's Who like want that. Sure, <laughs> is that tying into Phoebe Bridges? I was wondering if you were tying in or what you were doing. No, well, it has you, nothing. You to want her. her to punish you with kisses? No, I, well, <laughs> is that what you're trying to say? No, I'm my infatuation at the moment is Angel Olsen. Of course, oh, yeah. you can watch out. Phoebe but, Bridges over Angel Olsen. Well, that's why I don't care. Do whatever you want. That's what about, you, this is you. Know, that's you. Not the place. We know uh, Dax wants Regina Spector. Uh, well, I, listen, I love some Regina. She's very cool too. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's be real. Uh, the second, op- the second track on. Uh, the head of the door is the Kyoto song. I thought I wondered if you had mentioned that because oh, she yeah. or her That's song true. is Kyoto. That's true. And the second one is Kyoto. So I, I don't know. If probably there, there could be influenced. Obviously, uh, yeah. I don't she know if there's them a connection for Spotify singles. Yeah, there's maybe a connection there. Who knows? So. Caleb should know that. And do you know that? Shame, shame on you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Another band that uh, we covered early. You know everything now. Early. No, that, well, I, mean, I, I just figured you got your, th- you know, you got the, th- you got, you know, the thing and things. What the hell did you just say? <laughs> the thing and thing and things. Early in our podcast career, we covered the Mountain Goats, yes. and they have a song called "Get High and Listen to the Cure," and he says it on there. So that's pretty good. They got a new album coming out, Mr. John Darnell. They got an album coming out. Later this year, so check that out too. This has turned into like a like, like we're talking about the cure, but we're like spin, we're talking about so many things. While we're trying about to the get cure. we're trying to get promoted. What about the cure in the movie The Wedding Singer? What about them? They got some songs in there. Yeah, he sings. Actually, he sings Rob, cure. Oh uh, yeah, and the wedding singer. Yeah. Do you remember? I've never. What does he sing? Well, just. Play it, I guess. You don't have to play it. You can look it up later. Everyone else just look it up. It's not that important. <laughs> someone else said, I, I'm trying to think of a line. I feel like it's from a movie, but it's from somewhere. And someone asked him a question about, like, I can't remember if it was a movie or if it was an interview with the musician. Uh-huh. And someone's like, what were you thinking of that time? And they're like, I was just uh, kind of laying around doing this and listening to a lot of The Cure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can't think of what it is. And it pisses me off because mm-hmm. I want to know. So, question. Yes. That to get back to a more centered ground of the cure. Yes. Uh, was there an album in particular or even a set of albums? No. It was Wedding Singer still. Because <laughs> the song. All right. Here's what it. I'll describe it now because now it becomes more worth it and it'll be very brief. This part where he gets up and he sings the song. Where he, who's seen the movie? Have I've you all seen, seen it. it? So you know where it. he sings. Somebody kill me, please. He sings that song. Yes. That's where he gets up and when he introduces, it, he says, uh, "That's what he says." He says, "I was this or that," and. uh you know, and Adam saying the voice and uh, listening to the cure a lot. Okay, so just remember that. And then he sings oh, this song. Oh, I was listening to the cure. What? Yeah, yeah. So then he sings that song. Oh, uh, you know, about somebody kill me, please. So, which is reference to their the early period. Think, way to go. Yeah, Adam. Adam. Things would have already happened by that point. Anyways, albums. I don't have anything that I could like pull from specifically, like full album that I was like oh man this is the grace the best thing that i've heard since whatever like there are songs on all of them that are interesting i i like i said before i had um i had the album the wish 
uh, on CD that I got somewhere, probably half price bookstore or something like that. And I put like three songs on my uh, iPod back in the day. And I was listening to some of those earlier this week. That has Friday I'm in Love, which is a 90s song that sounds like the 80s, which is interesting. Very. It came out in 1992 and it sounds like it came out in 85. It's, in- it's yeah, true. interesting. But I don't know. No, the answer to your question is no. The one that stands out to me is the top, just because I didn't expect it. Mm. It threw me for a loop, and it stuck with me. Mm. I don't know if that'll still be the case like after it sinks in more, but for now. Mm-hmm. Tyler? I've got the two albums that I have saved to my library in Spotify prior to this week uh-huh. uh, was Wish and Head on the Door. And I think Head on the Door, that's the one I have on a list uh, of albums to buy. So that's probably, and even going through this week, I think it probably still stood out to me probably the most. But uh, I think Wish is interesting still. And yeah. I really like this. The I like Open a lot. That's kind of a really, I thought that was a really kind of interesting song that really played into some of the psychedelic stuff that they like to mess around with sometimes. And I think that that was really cool. I listen, Actually, that was probably the only song I listened to more than once because I started Wish multiple times uh, and then got interrupted. So I just decided to go back to the beginning of it. So I heard Open about three times probably. Uh, so the only stuff I listen to more than once throughout the whole week is like open and that's it. But I think it's a really uh, cool. So what's funny is, is that after I got through disintegration, I kept trying to get back into wish and I like, I would start the album, maybe like two or three songs and then I would like not be able to finish it. And then I, I, I would get interrupted as well. I think that I listened to the opener to wish probably like five times. It's pretty good though. I think it's an all right song. It's, I think it's, it's interesting. I don't know that I would want to have chosen to listen to it like five times but i did they i liked it on kiss me kiss me kiss me they have a song called hot 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 and it yeah. is not a buster point are you sure darn i'm sure i listened to it expecting uh some kind of correlation between him and buster poindexter and it did not happen that would have been amazing uh my favorite i'll go ahead and get into my favorite song are I you don't get to say my favorite albums oh i thought you already yeah. did no. this whole episode is about you <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. What's your favorite? No, no. Tell us your favorite song. I don't need to be here. All right. Don't. I'm just the host who asks questions. Okay, okay. I don't get to share do, my do opinion. The thing. Do the Anyways, thing. I really like the the dark period. Uh-huh. Like all three of those albums, 17 Seconds, Faith, and Pornography are all really good. But Disintegration, bar none, hands down, one of the best albums of the 80s. Yeah. Just like that album brings in so many different things that you would expect from the 80s, but also many things that you wouldn't expect from the 80s. It's one of the best albums of that era, in my opinion. I, I like Disintegration as well. I don't know. I th- I know how much you love it, and I think I was listening to it expecting to think it was the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. I did not feel that way, but I did enjoy listening to it. And actually, my favorite song is off of it. The song Pictures of You, which is the song that I love by them the most. And it was the song I knew going into the episode what, that was going to be my favorite song. And it did not change. The only thing I don't like about this one, it's a very long song. I like the radio about edit. Seven and a half minutes. I like the radio edit. Also, uh, on our Good Band, Bad Band, uh, where we talk about Lit, they covered this song, and we played it on there, too. And it's not as good, obviously, as the Cure version. DJ Khaled. DJ Anybody Khaled, interested wants back. to go check that out?
I have I have the song uh, that song from their compilation album Galore, which has a little baby on the front of it with a uh, ice cream cone. Um, what I flavor? Have, I have, it looks like vanilla. Ooh. I have that song on my 80s playlist, and it's the 4 minute and 47 second version. Ah. It's the edited version at Radio Edit. Probably like the three first minutes of the song are cut out. Yeah. yeah. What, is but, the, what is the other version of Pictures of You that's not that? Oh, you're talking. Pictures of me. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Pictures of you. Hung upon <laughs> Who is while. that? Who is that? I don't remember. I tried to figure that the out. Last back, so it's stuck yep. in my head. It's, it's, it's called yeah. it's The Last Good Night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it came out in. Uh, 2007. Let me tell you something about it. When you hear that song in your mind, uh, it sounds more Nickelback than it is. And then when you play it, it's enough, not that Nickelback isn't lame, but this mm. is lamer than Nickelback. Can I tell you, uh, there's something so. that happened this week that's related to Nickelback. What's going on? <laughs> listen, listen, this is amazing. Nickelback this week covered The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Oh my oh, God. Oh goodness. It is good. No, <laughs> shut up. I'm, I, you know what? Here, this I found a I found a trend that the Cure do, which I find uh, interesting. I don't know why, I just think it is. Mm-hmm. For m- most of their first few albums, all the way up to Head on the Wall, and some afterwards, but that's where it stops. They have a title track on every album, mm-hmm. and for the three album, actually for the f- four albums up to that, uh, for let's see, seventeen seconds for Faith. For pornography and for the top, the title track is the last song on the album, hmm. and blood and and blood. Uh, well, it also disintegration has it, but it's not the last. And blood flowers has it, and it is the last. What is the deal with that? I just think that's kind of interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I, I wanna, don't have I don't any know. kind of uh, analysis of that. Me either. I just think it's an interesting trend. I see, I I see what you're saying. I see. What Isn't you're that saying. interesting? Yeah, I noticed it when I was going. Through What's the too? deal, uh, Rob? Can I can I say now, just uh, as a general point, since you're bringing that up, uh, yeah. "Fight" is probably my least favorite closer of their albums. Yeah. "Fight" is not a very good song. No. No. From "Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me." Yeah. Well, it's a lo- you know, here's the thing. Let me s- to speak to that. If you're going to have a big old double album, you better make your last song worth it. It's not. Or else when people listen to the whole thing and they get to a closer that sucks. It doesn't feel like a closer and it doesn't really like a- impress me a whole lot. Yeah, it's like, lame. That's it don't lame. impress me much. Mm-mm. Not, well, I guess you messed, he, Rob messed that one up pretty good. He should have known better in terms of organizing. He should have the named album. the song "Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me." It probably he should, been it wouldn't have. That's all he had to do was name it that, and people would have liked it. He flubbed it. Wow, what a missed opportunity on that one. I like uh, "Boys Don't Cry." I think that's a good uh, off. It's not on an album, right? You put it. It's, it's a, a not. It's was, a non-album so it, single, wasn't? it? Yes, that's correct. So it was um, going to be on three imaginary boys. Right. Yeah, I see that, but it's on the deluxe of it. Correct. Um, it's odd that that would be one of their most popular songs. Yeah. Like, how do people find? songs like that i guess is because like i mean that was like singles. their debut record yeah, i know single. the fact that it wasn't on the album and that it was later put on the deluxe well edition, they like, have a they have they i mean if you read through if you read th- that's why they have like these like what jared had a single they have multiple singles compilations because they put out a lot of singles that were not that were not album singles true just and then but that was in a time where you could do that to drum up you know you know i'll get into it you don't Release six singles all, but you're on the album. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, uh, I, I wonder if that's an in-between period of B-sides. Because you don't have, cassettes are driving mm-hmm. the medium. And in that case, you don't release a single with a B-side. 
So you can release non-album singles, which are like B-sides, I guess, that are kind of like teasers. Yeah. So I wonder if that's not an in-between thing. I've never thought about that before. Right. That's interesting to think it's about. It's still crazy, though, because they had those singles. I mean, that album, the debut came out in 79, and their next album came out in 80. So, yeah. like, they are they were real fast. Like, they had a lot of albums between 79 and 89. Yeah, well, it's just like... I eight? I think, if I remember correctly, even some of the recordings they did initially for their debut when they did Killing an Arab uh, on their previous label made it onto Three of Andrew Nick Boys. I believe so. Yeah. So it's kind of, uh, I mean, it could have been a leftover from a recording session that the thing was too, and I don't if you read about Three Imaginary Boys, Robert wasn't particularly happy at the end of it because he thought it was kind of pushed like too more, I don't know if it, it's hard to say too mainstream, but like it was pushed too far into this, uh, this realm that they weren't really interested in. And initially the, uh, their initial label when they were doing the first album wanted to do all covers. Right. You know, and so even after that, I think they, and I wonder if that's why Foxy Lady didn't make its way onto there because it was something maybe they did previously and they had, you know, you got to fill out an album and this or that. But they, Robert didn't feel like he had a lot of hand in that release, which fueled him to be more involved from that point on. But I wonder if maybe there just wasn't some, maybe that was a little bit of a leftover from that recording session that was the studio trying to get something as a single and you can just throw it out. Or maybe it was something that they had recorded for the new album that they already knew they weren't going to put on it and could throw it as a single. Like a lot of times you, we know that you get songs thrown around during recording uh, and during writing sessions for albums that don't get put on the album. And whether you choose to release it uh, as a single or hold on to them and then release them later as like alternate recordings as part of a deluxe version or as part of the compilation or, you know, there are all sorts of options. So it could be that route. And it could just be that like, maybe they just wrote a song that they really liked and they didn't really want to wait to put it on album because they already had a couple songs for the album and they just didn't fit in. And so they just, threw it would it not have there. fit in on the next. No, album. it would not. Have. Yeah. That makes so sense. where it came, I don't, I'm not sure where it came from, but they did. I mean, they had done quite a lot of non album singles. As I was reading through it, like looking into all of it, you and know, so on their like dis- in their discography on Wikipedia, you can see yeah, you can those. see it. I think that's cool though, because that means you can release a compilation album that isn't you know, I mean, a live album is only worth it if the track listing is like really good right. and it performed well or performed more in, in a more interesting way. So there's one style of compilation that can be cool, but like other than that, like a greatest hits compilation is kind of like it's lackluster to me. You oh, know, for, for sure. instance, like who like that's great. You put all the songs that everyone like just wants to listen to out of context and just thrown them on an album and you've made up the track listing on your own, probably without even, you know, taking the regard of the artist involved. And now tell, we get to just remember them this way. And tell it's that to like, the Eagles. I hate listening. I don't like the Eagles, so that's fine. I Steve don't like Miller Band's greatest hits is pretty it sold a lot of Sold a lot of yeah, stuff too. Yeah, because those are the songs. Pe- I mean, that, a lot of them do because those that's, are the songs yeah, people that's why, like. That's but... why they release greatest hits albums because they sell well. That right. doesn't mean that they're good. Like artistic and they're a good way to right. get out of a record contract. Yes, they yeah, are. They're, 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 they're are. the last thing yeah, obligated to release. But, Christmas album. Yeah, but oh, yeah. what but I was saying is really cool about releasing non-album singles or in the previous of being able to release b-sides is then you can get a compilation made up of stuff that you cannot you have to get individually otherwise Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you can have a a singles not like a singles uh do you think that we would have christmas albums or greatest hits albums if it wasn't for record contracts i do you think maybe you think people would still want to do a bunch of christmas songs? yeah yeah thanks to people like frank sinatra who just like gene autry there were people i mean it was more popular 
to sing about like Bing Crosby is highly oh, yeah. well known for singing Christmas music yeah. as well as other and being his children. I'll Regis take Feldman that out. Too. Don't worry about it. But I mean, there was a time where that was also in vogue in a way that, you know, and, and it kind of maintained its, you know, level of what have you. I mean, the cure really made Christmas sad. Yeah. Dax, they have, Dax, they have a song where they mention Christmas and it's, uh, it's a really sad song. Dax, you got uh, some, some things for us maybe? About Christmas? No, no, about in general. <laughs> about uh, about about sound things sounding like other things. Maybe, oh, yeah. Well, if you have some Christmas bells, you could go do. Boop, I don't have boop, anything about Christmas, boop, but boop, I have a. I have a badoo 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 badoo. A doo badoo. Uh, play uh, "Shake Dog Shake" from the top. Doesn't that just sound a little bit like Tom Sawyer by Rush? That's all I got, ladies and gentlemen. Just, yeah, way to go. It's just one note held out for That's a fine. long it's all time. That's fine. It's all he's got. Just let him have it, I Do you guess. have anything else? Yeah. No, he has nothing That's the else. only thing? Yeah. Oh Didn't you God. see it in there? I thought that there was something else. There's no. another one, but it's not worth it. Uh, it's not yeah, worth we it. know that. I was listening for them, and I don't know about that. Uh, I would like you to play a song called "The Hype" by Junior Jack. If you'll play that, that's an interesting little bit there too. I don't think so. Uh, Junior Jack's a big hit is a song called Stupid Dance. Mm-hmm. I don't know it, but that had that had Robert Smith from The Cure in that song. That's interesting. Uh, upon release of their third album, Faith, mm-hmm. uh, they released as a cassette and included with the cassette uh, copies. Well, I, maybe it was released. One of their albums they released in three different formats, each of which maybe was a compilation that had a different track listing based on the format, which is kind of interesting. Um, but this, it, it must always only be with a cassette release, but I don't know what else. You, I guess you would have a vinyl LP as well, but regardless, included with the cassette copies of Faith uh, was an instrumental soundtrack for Carnage Visors, which is an animated film uh, shown in place of an opening act for their 1981 picture tour, which is kind of cool. So they created an animated film uh, which for which they created an entire soundtrack to open for them on their 1981 tour. Called the picture tour. That's wild. That's quite the thing. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. I, w- I, I tried to open it in a new tab so that I could be like, hey, maybe I can find a YouTube that has this animated film. And it, the YouTube, the uh, Wikipedia page that Carnage Visitors opens to is just the Faith album page. And that made me mad. So, oh, dang. But um, yeah, that's kind of interesting that they did. If anybody that. has weird. the cassette tape of the Cures album Faith, 
Please send it into our show. Yeah, send so it right can, in. So, so we can talk so about the that CD came with a cassette tape. No, no, or the VHS cassette. Tape? When you purchase the cassette, yes, the cassette came with a VHS tape. It included, yeah, it, no, it included the soundtrack. Oh, it included the instrumental soundtrack to Carnage Visitors. The Carnage Visitors itself was the animated. I see. Uh, the animated film that they showed before their show on that tour, mm. but the soundtrack to it was included with cassette copies of uh, of Faith. Which is that's a cool. pretty like elaborate thing to do on like your third album. Yeah, like when you're not like super popular because I mean they really weren't like massive in '81 by any means. But I wonder if they weren't more creative all in all before they like did the look and started those like the new wave stuff. Because like, are you saying are, were they creative? No, I wonder if they weren't more creative. Oh no, because they, they hadn't settled into anything. I would imagine that they were, and so I they mean, were doing listen, th- weird things like that. If you listen to the top, then it clearly was a case that they were very experimental and wanted to go in weird well, directions. Yeah, but that's the beginning of their. That's like where they he's creating their the thing. But, so but I mean, I mean eventually it would they, lead up to that, I suppose. That's what I mean is that they clearly so. had a lot of creativity and interest of uh, of weird stuff that yeah. was building up, and they were like, well, let's just throw it all out here on the top. Like, I mean, that's it, they clearly had a lot more. Uh, under the surface at that point yeah i just wonder because i don't like that's a thing that that is interesting and kind of weird thing to do especially that early on like you mentioned so i just wonder if that wasn't like in a period before you have what you will now be known for uh and when you're not trying to shed an image although they you know the they tried to shed like the anti-image thing but other than that i mean i wonder if they just didn't try a lot more things maybe yeah i don't know I'm interested in speaking briefly on how confusing and difficult their lineup is. Go because on. Robert Smith is the only consistent member. Right. But over the course of time, like more than 50% of the time, they have original members performing with them and performing on albums. But they like... But they're in and out all the yeah, time. Yeah, they're in and out all the time. They they like, they like cycle. Like yeah. Sometimes they're, they're the drummer comes in. They were like, what, a three-piece... For a while. Yeah, for a while. Then they at one point they grew as large as a six piece when they were performing live. Right. What I think also is but like as you said, they're in and out. They're back and forth, in and out. And sometimes some original members are in while others are not, and then sometimes they flip flop and then at some point they have to part with original members, but at some point um, I think the they top leave had, on their own. Yeah, and, I think the top had like five members at some point in time, yeah. and that incorporated members of the old crew and then also new crew who would stick around for longer. So that was kind of the point where it was like very obvious that there was going to be kind of a cycle going on. It's just really weird. I think part of it speaks to, I really feel Robert Smith is probably a super difficult person to work with. I would think it so. It seems like when I read about people questioning him as to whether the cure will or will not continue after like every release and him being like, Oh, I don't really know. It could be almost over. You know, he said that for like, no, no lie. 21 years <laughs> until an album came out in 2000 where he, where he actually felt like this was the end of the cure. You know, like you just said it after every release for two decades, like you're the most finicky person in terms of like, will this continue or not? And I wonder if that doesn't like, partially lead to people being in and out all the time because it's weird because at right. one point an original member um i think it was the bassist who had left they had a, a bassist who was not an original member he left or was dismissed and then their roadie uh was kind of in to- in contact with the original bassist and got him and robert kind of connected again and he came back in and joined again and robert said oh now we're a group again which is like, now you're a group again. Like, you just said, like, that seems like a statement of him that's totally contrary to how he behaves 
and his attitudes towards the group as a whole anyway. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he, I mean, I wonder if he just doesn't have like a weird personality disorder boredom situation. And he just seems like it would just be super difficult to try to get to like deal with him as a band member kind of, but maybe not as much um, a manager. Definitely anyone who's interested in the musical aspect and definitely anyone who's like representing a record label. I just feel like it'd be super difficult to deal with him at all. You know, where they're like, he's like, I don't know if it'll go on. And the guy who's in charge from the record label is like, well, you got four more albums to make for us. So mm, let's think about this one. Stop telling everyone that you're not sure if it's going to continue or not. You know? Well, I know that like, um, like, okay, so Head on the Door and Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me was really kind of their like commercial breakthrough, especially like abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, he hated that. He could not stand being like popular in a lot of ways, which is why Disintegration goes back to a very dark sound but still brings in those kind of like pop elements like I talked about previously. So like he's the kind of person who like knows that he can write a good pop song, but hates that he can write a good pop song. And he's like, there's like a spite towards himself for it. So like he clearly like, he's, he's clearly, he's Gothic. So he's just so warped. You know what I mean? In uh, March of 2019, they were finally inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame, Mm -hmm. which I feel like was almost Probably long overdue. Probably. Uh, for sure. For If it was uh, only f- based on their U- United States stuff, then you could argue. But when you have the UK stuff as well and the amount of success that they found and how much influence they had, uh, they probably should have already been in. But they were inducted in 19. They played five songs there. Um, Trent Reznor inducted them, which is pretty fitting, I think. I would say so. Um they opened the set with Shake Dog Shake from uh, the top, which is an interesting way to start your Hall of Fame uh, performance. Um, and they played uh, Boys Don't Cry. They played A Forest, a few, a few other songs as well. Love song. Um, but uh, they in this article, which was in March of 19, they mentioned from Rolling Stone magazine that they were working on a follow-up. Uh, finishing the work on their new album, their first since 2008's 413 Dream. So supposedly they have a new album coming out at some point. They do, actually, sometime this year. Really? Supposedly they they are going to have a new album this year. I wanted to talk about that as kind of like the closing thought. Okay, there you go. Um, We should be there by now. Well, yeah. I'm glad that you brought it up. Um, They also performed at Glastonbury in 2019 at the festival, which I don't know. I I didn't watch it. Have you seen him recently? uh, He's... Uh, interesting looking. Yeah, he has the same. He does the same uh, physical. He's kind of. He's kind of looking like what Marilyn Manson looks like now. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> I think. I think Brian looks worse, but I, I would agree. Don't, I, mean, he, don't, I don't think. That, I think that. I think that Robert has all his teeth. Yeah. So. Oh my. Brian definitely looks worse. I'm gonna. I refuse. I'm gonna acknowledge him only as Brian because I find it funny. Yeah. I would think if he were here right now, he would hate that I'm doing that, and it makes me want to do it more. He's for his <laughs> machine gun Kelly right now. You yeah. Know that? Uh, that was weird. That's true. He's looking a little rough, though. I would. I wondered. I wondered, and I have uh, thus far the answer is no. If he would ever just like shake off uh, the 1984 thing and just be like, I can also be a serious old person, uh, just to, to a degree. Like, there's nothing wrong with like using losing like the thing, the creativity and stuff of your youth. Like, obviously, you don't have to do that of any way. But... He still won't put on a shirt. Yeah, well, at, at least Marky Mark put pants on. You can only ask for one person to put on one item of clothing every, uh, you know, certain period of time. It's not mm-hmm. been fifty more years. I'm glad they got him to put on pants. I got sick of seeing that bulge, so uh, that's oh, better. Boy. Iggy can keep his shirt off. Yeah. You know, it's fine. For if now. he wants to smear more peanut butter on himself, oh, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be concerned. I'd be down. 
But uh, yeah, I just want it's just funny that he's what's it now? It's been almost it's been almost 40 years. It's been 36 years mm-hmm. since he started that that I don't know what Gothic-ish to call it. Gothic-ish look. Yeah, which is and, and he started he, still the, he started it. his scene phase way before anybody else. Yeah. And he's still in it. Yeah. And I'm like, you're 61, and this is confusing. And they me. said it was a phase, and, man. And, he's, and no offense, I can tell that your hair has died. He's <laughs> Robert Smith. Robert. <laughs> so, final, final little thought. So, it's possible. You know, it's it's about as possible as a Kanye West album coming out in 2020 that The Cure might have a new album coming out this year. I wouldn't be surprised. Given the uh, music that we have listened to, the 11 and a half hours of music, yeah. if you will, would you find that you are interested in hearing a new Cure album? Or do you think that, like, given their last, you know, three, four albums that we listened to, do you think they're really going to do anything different? I don't think they'll up? do anything different. I think it would be interesting, I guess. I'd be willing to give it a try, but I think that it's going to be the same thing that they've been doing for the past like 40 years. Yeah. yeah. I would I would listen to it, but I'm not I wouldn't expect to uh I wouldn't expect to return to it. I wouldn't expect to think it'd be anything that I that I find all that. I agree. Here's the thing too. You got like we know music moves on it continues it continues whether you're part of it or not if you were part of it 10 years ago five years ago 20 years ago it doesn't matter and with how much new stuff comes out um i feel like sometimes artists just need to realize that they had their point in time uh and maybe it's just time to not do things anymore because there's so many new artists that are doing things that are different that don't have a background that you can get excited about that it's unlikely unless something is dramatically different and really good. And it's not like it can't be. Uh, but it's unlikely that you're going to come in here as an artist whose prominent era was really in the 80s. And make something that's so different that bl- blows people away enough to be able to pay attention to you. And to make it worthwhile, really, in the long run. I mean, the, that's an album that I can think of, which isn't surprising to you, that came uh, you know, 15 years later, 14 years later, would be D'Angelo's album black messiah which which was worth it but it's not likely that that will happen you know what i mean so i don't know well it's also one of those things where we have to ask the question of is that album for the fans or is that album for the cure sure. is that album for money is that album for creativity is it for what is it for like you know? once I, I always find it interesting once a band is inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame what more do they have to add to a discography like keep touring right. You know, like keep touring, keep doing the. Obviously, people, people care keep about paying you, to see you, so that makes sense. But like creatively, what more do you have to add once you're already at the top of, um, like acclaim, if you will? What you can't get sure. any more well, than the Rock and Roll Hall. Of Fame. Uh, here's another good example: Bowie. Black Star was really good, mm-hmm. and it was a little bit different, and it was fitting. Mm-hmm. For the period and in his life and this or that. So I think in some ways you have to intertwine your life into it some mm-hmm. too. Cause so that you can, that's like the kind of self acknowledgement that you need at that point in your life so that people who can see you and say, uh, okay, I can, I, a person who enjoyed the cure in the eighties can age with this person and their music. Yeah. You know, like it takes more than just doing something like you've already done or just doing whatever, you know, like it has to be worthwhile because it has to like make sense for, it needs to make sense for people who are younger, who weren't there when you were popular at the time, but it needs to make sense for people who were there too, as they get older. Like I know I'll give another example of that really quickly. I'm sorry to give You've all the examples, but the Menzingers Jared is a good example because if you read reviews about their albums, 
Everyone who reviews their album says that anyone who started listening to them when they started has grown with them. And and as your problems change, their problems change. And they continue to make songs about problems they have in their lives as they're writing those songs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a group that can do something like that is worthwhile. Because not only is it creative, but it's therapeutic. And it's uh, it's cathartic for you and for the listeners. And that's part of what's important in making music outside of just the creativity. So I think when you ask, like, what's if you can never make an album that's just for me. Like, I don't think right. that that's valuable necessarily. I mean, you should make an album that is for you and for other people like you and for other people who like your music. And, sure. And like, it should ne- it should be for you. It should be for creativity. It should be for other people. It should be for expression and catharsis and it should, and not for money. And if you can't do that, I'm not sure it's worth it. And I'm not sure in this situation that it is. Because the last right. few releases have not really been that way, it seems. So, yeah, I don't know. I suppose we will, we will see. Yes. We'll probably we'll, we'll return to it on a bonus episode if it's a case that it comes out this year. Yeah, sure. We'll see how it goes from there. Any closing sure. thoughts at this point? No. I have one from Patreon. Our patron friend of the show, David, uh, stalked Robert. Did you, did you know this? No. no, he he saw them live in Dayton in 1992. Uh, he found out where they were staying, and he met Robert outside the hotel. Nice. He got, he got his ticket signed. Uh, he doesn't have that ticket anymore, apparently. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, he did he did leave a favorite song too. Uh, his favorite song is "Catch." Catch oh, it is. Let's, let's one listen. of his favorites. Let's listen to a little bit of "Catch." David. There you go. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember that one time we could have met someone famous? I know, show? I know. Weren't you just talking about that? We were just talking Couldn't, about it. Ah. Didn't somebody who met Reverend Peyton from Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band? I did. That was me. Dax. And you. They both oh, you did? did? Various yeah, times. We both did. Yeah, yeah. Except when I did, he was quite awkward and weird. Yeah, he was awkward walked, with me too. He signed a dollar bill for me. I didn't make him sign anything because he was so weird I felt so uncomfortable about it that I just continued walking. Fair. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, it's totally yeah. fair. So are we, oh, are we closing on uh, Nickelback's cover of Devil Went Down to Georgia? Yes, yes, we are. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, we're not. Oh, good. I knew that we were serious. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This week we were talking about The Cure... And next week, we'll be talking about Tom Waits. Check out our social media bits, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so on and so forth. Check out our website, recordroundtable.com. And, of course, check us out on patreon.com slash recordroundtable. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.